Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. Happy post uh, Super Bowl uh, week for everybody. The big game was yesterday. We'll get to hockey topics. Do you want to get the Kansas City post uh, Super Bowl glow out the way, CJ? I know you were happy about that. We're going to get to Morgan Riley. We're going to get to the Ask CJ questions we didn't get to last week. Uh, your trade board is up. We'll get to hockey talk. But I want to, I want to, I want to just break down what we saw yesterday. It was a fun game yesterday. Let that. Let's get that out of our system before we have a civil discourse about Morgan Riley because I know that's going to be fun. Well, the best part of the night is is the first half kind of stunk. Yes. But I was flipping back and forth to the golf because Nick Taylor was on his way to, to winning the Phoenix Open, uh, Canadian PGA Tour player who won the Canadian Open last year. So I was I was unaffected by the sort of slow first half because I was only half watching it going back and forth. Uh, love the love the halftime show with Usher. And then obviously Amazing. the second half and overtime were pretty compelling just from a, a football standpoint. And you know, I didn't really have a horse in the race. Uh, you know, as as the one hundred percenters know, <laughs> if you're a Cowboys fan, it's not like I'm gonna magically be a fan of one of these other teams. But there was a hockey writers spread pool um uh, from writers all over North America, and I did manage to finish in the money because I, I had picked Kansas City in the game. So wasn't uh wasn't major stakes or anything like that, but I I was I was rooting for my uh for my pool there and it, it came through. I basically just, once they started incorporating all that script stuff, I was like, all right, we know how this is going to end. I'm not going to fight it. It's Kansas City. They're going to try to get that that Travis Kelsey moment. We didn't get it at the end, but they were going to try to get. Well, he he almost could have scored the winning touchdown. He had certainly the big gain um, right before they got it done. I I wasn't that confident, I got to say. I mean, it was was a strange game, obviously – you know, San Fran missing an extra point is the difference <laughs> when, when you, when you look back, um, you know, it, it was, it was close, but that's, I mean, look at, here's a reminder. It, it happens in, in hockey too. I mean, certain teams, certain players, I mean, it's, it's the small things that decide a big moment like that, right? It goes down that Kansas city's now won three Super Bowls, but there was all kinds of ways they could have lost that game if they didn't get the big play at the right time or, you know, their defense obviously stepped up pretty big. And, um, you know, but history will just remember, oh, they won another one. So there's no, there's no, yeah, but when you get to the end and, and, you know, that we see that in hockey too. I mean, certain, certain teams when the Penguins have gotten close over the years, you know, they, they always found a way to, to pull out those series and, you know, the, the difference between winning and losing can be razor thin, man. Speaking of, yeah, but the Toronto Bay Leafs and the Ottawa Senators. Let's get into that. There's been enough. There's been enough peace on this podcast already. Let's let's get into this. For those who missed it, Saturday night's game, uh, the Ottawa Senators get the better of the Leafs. Really, Greg fires a puck into a wide open cage, not just soft shooing it into the net, not a tap in. He full on slap shots it in, and then Morgan Riley confronts him, cross check to the head, brouhaha ensues. Not just on the ice, but obviously off the ice with everyone's opinions and everyone's takes and everyone just getting into it and being crazy online. CJ, where do you stand on this? Well, 
I mean, look, it, it's a suspendable act. I, I don't think, you know, no matter what, when the Department of Player Safety looks at a play like this, they don't care what immediately precedes it in the sense that there's no discussion about whether he should or shouldn't have slapped the puck into an empty net. Like that, that, that isn't part of what gets decided. It's, it's ultimately deciding and looking at what Morgan Riley did in response to something that obviously agitated him. And you can't be going around cross-checking people. Um, you know, I'm surprised it's an in-person hearing. I will say that, uh, you know, while, while acknowledging that this is, you, you can't be cross-checking people in the head. You know, I, it looks to me on the side angle, like he actually hits his arm first. If you remember David Prawn getting six game suspension earlier this year in, in the Detroit Ottawa game, if you watch that video, they, they note about how forcefully up his stick goes essentially right into Artem Zub's face. I, I don't actually think that's at play. If you really break down, if you go Zaprudus style on the Riley play, which is what player safety does, right? I mean, they're, they're actually trying to judge intent uh, because sometimes things go wrong on the ice. It, it, to me, it doesn't look like the exact same thing, but you know, based on that six game precedent, um, it, you know, and the fact that, Morgan Riley on Tuesday will have an in-person hearing. There's at least the possibility he's getting six games as well. That seems a little high to me if that's where it ends up. And we don't know. We won't know that till Tuesday night. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, there's lots of different ways Morgan Riley could have shown his displeasure with that play. You know, he could have grabbed Greg sweater, tried to, to initiate a fight, which, you know, people have their views on, but it's still kind of allowed in the game. You could have shoved them in a less dangerous manner. I mean, you can't be going at someone with the, the stick up near the head region. And, and uh, you know, that's ultimately why I think Riley's going to be suspended. And he should be suspended. It's an absolute joke of a reaction as far as I'm concerned. And, and, and I'm sorry to go to this point, but I don't think I have that much of a problem with how Greg put that puck in the net. I know there are people who got annoyed by it and went on to say that Riley's reaction was justified. I don't think it was warranted to have him throw a stick towards someone's head. Maybe the Zapruder film will show that it was the direct point of contact was the shoulder or what have you. But like, really like that's how you're going to react in that situation. You're the Toronto Maple Leafs. You're better than the Ottawa centers. If you're that mad about it, go beat them. Like I just thought that some of the takes were a little bit unhinged and everyone losing their mind over a slap shot considering what the sport is really at about at its core. I thought it was a little soft, honestly. It was a little weird to see. You, Ooh, you're I mean, look at, I well, cause I feel like you're taking, like, I know you're stirring the pot a bit. Um, What's wrong with stirring the pot? I Nothing. Just, I just, that's how I feel about it. I mean, here's the thing. I'm not going to come down hard on Greg, but he's clearly, you can, like, if you want, no, but, well, I don't necessarily, I, but he, he is clearly agitating the situation, yes. which again, as you point out, he has the right to do. And, and I think that there, it, that kind of thing will always provoke a reaction from the other team, but that does not excuse that it, the reaction here is just, it's dumb. Like, he, like this is, that's why it's hard to have a nuanced conversation about this because I'm not defending Riley cross-checking him the head, but I can understand why that upset him it upset the Leafs it to me it's it's a little like taunting penalty in the NFL like like it's it's a little like showing up your opponent when you get into the end zone that that's that's how I view it and 
Yeah, but you can't go cross-checking a guy in the head. So, I mean, that, it almost it, it ends the discussion there. I mean, look at Morgan Riley's history, man. Like, he's – this is a guy who gets 20 or less penalty minutes a year. I mean, certainly not a player known for doing anything irrational on the ice, never been suspended. Um, you know, I, I think that there's there's a reason why that pissed him off. But you're right. Play better. You 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 guys score the, the, the goal into the empty net and win the game, and you can do it however you feel – is needed. Um, but I, I do think that it, I would call that an unnecessary way to score the goal from Ridley Gregg. Okay. What do you, what if he tries to glide it in Patrick Stefan style? And then there misses. is a long, there's a huge difference between gliding it in and full up slap shot. Like the stick was up by his shoulders and he scored, like you, but like you it's could a, shoot it, it, the slap shot's a legal hard. thing in the game. It's you legal. What did, it that wrong? With what did he do? What was wrong? What did he really do that was wrong? He showed up the other team. Oh, no. He showed up the other team. Big well, whoop. Okay. I'm just saying that, that that will always provoke some kind of reaction. Again, not, sure. st- and, and, not and, and, at all and, saying that they should cross-check someone in the head. I'll, I'll um, say this. Keep it, let's, oh, remember sorry, too, let's remember, too. Let's remember, too. And, and it's, it's certainly not an apples-to-apples comparison. But the Leafs no. of this season have drawn criticism from their own management and coaching staff for not responding to slights. Right. I mean, and, and they didn't defend Timothy Lilligren. He took, you know, what was at least a borderline kind of play with Brad Marchand and ultimately suffered a high ankle sprain. And they had a team meeting about response on the ice and lack of response in that case. And so I think that that's part of what's going on here too, is, is this is a team that's trying to stick up for itself a little bit more. And so again, not defending. I want to say it a hundred times because I, I really don't want anyone to, to miss. I'm not <laughs> saying you should cross check him in the shoulder, but what I'll say is had Riley skated over to the sideboards there after he did that and sort of grabbed them by the sweater and sweater and kind of tussled them a bit. I would have no problem with that reaction. That's, that's kind of all I'm getting at, but you know, you can't go sucker punching a guy in the face or cross check him in the head or anything like that. But I think had he gone over and said some words and just kind of jostled him a bit that to me, that would be an appropriate reaction in that case. But you know, obviously, emotions are high. It was a feisty game, and and Riley lost his he lost his cool, and, and he's going to pay a price for it. I, I think you're right on the aspect of this, where if Riley just goes to confront, uh, if he just goes to confront him along the boards, yeah, fine. Maybe I still feel like okay, like whatever. You're going to do this after that, but he still makes his point. Like, even if it got to a point where he meets him at the boards and, like, pushes him a little bit, gets, like, a rough, even if it turns into a fight, like, he gets kicked out the game, he still makes his point. Like, you know what? You can't do that on us. Like, I'm willing to to take that. Just for him to get to a point where, you know, he's doing the cross check. And I know what you're trying to do. You're going out of your way to say, like, man, like, you know, we you don't condone that and all that. There are legit people who feel that that was an appropriate response. And I think that's just so stupid. It's so well, stupid. I mean, a cross check to the head, and and I know you can go back through time, and there's probably been one that wasn't suspended, but like a clear cross check to the head is is gets you a suspension. I mean, Austin Matthews, another another player, almost can, barely takes a penalty in any of his games over history, but he you know cross checked Rossman Stalin in the head, and he got a two game suspension. Like that's you should expect a suspension if you deliver a, a cross check with some force, and you hit another player in the head. So. I mean, that's as much as we can say, we don't know that, you know, there's, there can be inconsistencies in the way 
disciplines handed out in this league. We don't know what a suspension is. Like I can tell you a clear cross check to the head is you should be counting on a suspension of some length. And so here we go. I'm trying to think like what, I mean, you how many times be... have you seen a guy shoot the puck into an empty net? Like Greg did though. I mean, if you're trying to go through the history of time and all that in terms of distance, I can't give you a specific number, but I just don't have that much of a problem with it compared to so many other people. I don't right. think it's that big of a deal. But I'm just saying there's a reason why it doesn't happen. Like generally you aren't trying to provoke the other team. You're trying to end the game. Yeah, but like I'm also used to watching other sports where people like in mid I get it's not completely the same thing, but in basketball as an example, someone will try to show up on a dunk if they have a clear lane to the net or football where someone will run to an end zone on their own and will high step like a la Deion Sanders. Why is it that other sports have a bit of a similar situation where we've just sort of accepted that that sort of taunting is fine, but all of Except a sudden it's a 15 year penalty in the NFL. If you taunt, well, I mean, it's worth it. You don't still don't see guys who, who, who maybe it's because of the flag, but you still don't see guys. Well, who are react the, the league doesn't want it, it, right? Like the league recognizes that, it's decided it's just not good for the sport to, to, to do that. Isn't the flag more like after the play? Like you don't get a flag for high stepping to the end zone. I think, it, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't have the NFL rule book, but I do know you, you can't, you're not allowed to taunt an opponent. Like there are no, like if, if you, if you smash a guy, you can't like stand over him and, you know, trash talk him or whatever. Like, but that's different, but that's different from being on your own and being the only guy running to the end zone. It's a whole different thing. If you celebrate and you like point at a DB or you point at a opposing player and you're like, hey, like, s- screw you. We're, we're applying this to the context of the NHL. Who did who did Riley? Who did Greg taunt? Who did he show up? Just the team? You didn't show up anyone in particular. You just shot a puck into an open net. Fair. Look, at. I don't think it's the the greatest, the, like the worst thing you could possibly do. Like, I'm, I'm not that passionate on the other side. I, I think that I would be careful doing that myself or or would if I was coaching a team I probably wouldn't want to see that you know Claude Giroux didn't seem as his teammate in the interview he did after like he he liked it too much and now Claude Giroux is a bit of an old school kind of guy obviously mm-hmm. um you know I love that the senator's twitter leaned right into Amazing. it I thought that was hilarious and that's what I mean like I'm not so fired up about this I'm like you can never do that it's the biggest stain on the game like I'm not I'm not that much of a fuddle dud but I, I would say generally that's probably not something you want to do to another team. I just think it it could come back to you in, in other ways. That's all. How many um, games do you think he gets? Well, I have to think I have to think six now. You know, initially I was thinking it was probably gonna be like three or four. Um, but that was before the player safety came out and, and said it's an in-person hearing. Now, Riley is actually going in person. You know, the in-person hearing is kind of a formality of in a sense. In that, you know, in today's day and age, I think a lot of players just do it by Zoom instead of flying to New York City to make their case. But, you know, Riley obviously feels, and I haven't had a chance to speak to him, but I can, implied by his actions here, is, is he feels pretty strongly that um, that it shouldn't be something like six games. And so he's going to go there and make his case. And so maybe, maybe he can introduce some element here that we don't know about. You know, I know another part that the player safety is curious about is if, Greg was injured. As far as I know, that isn't the case, um, but that could have an impact on, on the length of suspension. But I have to think I basically, if you're asking me today, I, I have to think it's going to be six games because of the parallels to the prawn suspension we've seen this season. And the fact 
that they're having an in-person hearing, which allows them to give that length of suspension out, which is a lot of games, right? That's a, that's a significant chunk of games. Um, and we haven't even gotten to the hockey side of it, which there's no good time to lose your top defenseman, but feels like the Leafs are kind of sputtering lately. They're, they're down Giordano. The blue line's already a bit of a problem area. So, um, if they end up having to miss them for two weeks, that's, that's a pretty, pretty big price to pay. Yeah. Uh, I think I've exhausted as much as I can on, on this topic. <laughs> that's good. I mean, it wasn't as you were, I think you're anticipating flames. You and I are a lot alike on it. Yeah. I mean, the fact that we both recognize it's a suspendable hit. I mean, if, if one of us was on here and be like, that was totally justified. And then, then it's a different conversation, but. I mean, there's no defending the play. I just think you got to be careful. I mean, showing up another team. That's all. It's just in general. I think. I think we have. Here's the thing. I think the hit itself. We both recognize that it's suspendable, and we think the reaction is not justified. Where we differ is how we feel about showing up other people and daunting. That I think yeah. is the clear divide between both of us. Yeah, like you. You want to see guys wiring slap shots into empty nets. I don't see that that being a big of a deal, considering considering how everyone touts up hockey as this tough sport. Why are we making a big deal about people slapping pucks into a net? Why is that a big deal? You couldn't even name another time you you've seen it happen. You want to it's go pretty unusual. Every slap shot in the history of the universe. No, but like it's unusual to see a player do that. Is the point? I can admit that but I still don't think it's that big of a deal where you had to get that type of reaction. Right. You didn't have to. I mean, again, there's a, there is a world where Morgan Riley just grabs him and, and there's a bit of a like scrum and the game just ends. There's two seconds left and we're not even talking about this on Monday. Right. Like there's, there was a world where there's still some kind of quote unquote response there, but it's like not big enough to even warrant a debate. Whereas, you know, here we are 36 hours later and it was all I saw on my feed yesterday, pretty much. I mean, yeah. that until the Super Bowl started, it was it was the only conversation happening. So it didn't it didn't have to prompt this. It's just I think the fact look and it's a the Battle of Ontario, too. It's like it's there's we've been like waiting for this. We've been waiting for the senators to to climb up the standings and be a team again. But you can see that there could be emotion in those games again, too. Rivalries, man. Stuff like this happens in rivalries. Like this is why would anyone think this is a bad thing? <laughs> like four playoff series in five years, those teams played, and it was, it was crazy. Yeah. Um. So the one other, the one, the one other thing I'll just mention too, in terms of people talking about it and reacting to it, um, I think it's more than fine for people to engage in discussions about it and put in their opinions, and even if they really want to go out there for hockey culture and 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 the code and all that like oh, okay i can understand that what i don't like is seeing people debate it and then people in the comments get like really like racial about it i'm thinking in particular two people uh satir shah in vancouver and ian mendez who apparently got it really bad when they discussed it like give your head a shake like why are you getting to a point where because someone disagrees with you you have to tell them to go back to their country or say any other like dumb ridiculous crap like we I think the fact that we saw so much of that on Twitter, there were so many comments coming in, but I, I think we saw we saw all the worst in, in certain hockey fans as a result of that. I just want that said. Yeah, that's go. garbage. Totally it's unnecessary. Absolute garbage. Absolutely. Anyway, 
at the end of the uh, day, it's just sports, right? Like, like we can have some difference of opinion. Yes. It is just fun for a lot of people. I mean, for you and I, it's our jobs. A lot of people, this is just, it's Saturday night. It's your distraction from your busy work week. Like it's a chance to relax or not relax, I guess, if you, depending on how you watch a game. Um, but like, let's not take it so seriously. Come on. Seriously. Anyway, uh, let's take trade seriously. Let's take your trade board seriously. This episode of the Chris Johnston Show is brought to you by Babbel. The best way to learn a language is through immersion, living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you could still learn a language the second best way, and that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. They're designed by real people for real conversations, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, and rooted in real-life situations, while also being delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. I know uh, I've tried to learn other languages. I know English and French. Learning German has been very good for me with Babbel. Learning Spanish. I used to learn Spanish in elementary school. and been able to pick that up with Babbel as well. Really great app, and you should use it. Here's a special limited time offer for our listeners right now, get 50% off on a one-time payment for a lifetime Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Johnston. Get 50% off at babbel.com slash Johnston spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash Johnston rules and restrictions may apply. All right. I, I appreciate the work that you put in to ensure that uh, we have stuff to talk about for March 8th, uh, the NHL trade deadline. Uh, the latest from CJ, Trade Board 4.0, uh, number one on that board, Chris Tanev. We talked about him. Uh, I know I wrote about him. We talked about him last week. He's number one on your trade board ahead of Noah Hannafin, the two Calgary Flames defensemen. Once again, the Flames dominating the trade boards every time you do an addition of them. Why do you have Tanev slotted over Hannafin? Because I'm still not 100% sure that, that Hannafin's being traded. Uh, seems to be pointing in that direction. Uh, but, you know, and, and part of that is is based on the level of interest, too. I mean, there's been a, a huge number of teams calling on Tanev. Obviously, his name's been out there really going back to December. And... You know, it's amazing. I, I I haven't looked back, but I'm pretty sure that Flame has been on the top of each of these boards. I mean, yes. I know at one point Elias Lindholm was at the top, um, and we've had either Han Hannafin or Tanev at, at the top. So, I mean, look at Calgary's the one team making trades. As I noted in the preamble to the story, we 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 don't have enough motivated sellers. I think at this point in time to have more action. You know, it's it's this is good news potentially for March eighth itself. You know, last year if you remember the month leading up, there was a there was a ton of trade action a lot of the top names on on the trade boards last year were were moved two and three weeks plus out from the deadline <clears throat> now that could always happen here sometimes it just takes one move to trigger you know a series of moves but you know it just doesn't feel quite as frothy 
at this stage this year. I think there's a lot more teams on the bubble. The teams at the very bottom of the standings don't have that much to sell. And so we're, we're left to Craig Conroy, potentially what, what Philadelphia does to, to save us with some action here. Um, but, you know, certainly the Flames are, are well represented on the, on the trade board still. And, and, you know, I think Tana belongs at the top right now. I mean, another way to look at this, he's one of only a handful of players on this list that I think could get a first round pick back. Not saying he will, but, you know, there's, there's not a lot of players on the list that I think uh, are, are still going to get first rounders. I mean, we've already seen Sean Monaghan and Lindholm bring back first rounders. And, and, you know, those were guys that were right at the top uh, of the list prior to this. So that's, that's another reason. I mean, there's, there's no magic in the secret sauce here on, on the trade board, but it's really a triangulation of return level of interest and, and, and likelihood they're going to be moved too. And, and, you know, in, in the case of Chris Tanov, I, think it's a hundred percent certainty unless something that we uh, don't foresee happens here in the next three and a half weeks. Is there a team among the list for Chris Tanev that seems to be showing more interest than others? You know, it's tough to say. I mean, obviously the Leafs, I think are the easy answer there in that they've shown consistent interest and, and, you know, obviously there's, there's the connection with Brad true living. I mean, it's not hard to, to kind of, to kind of you know it's it's difficult to to say that that it's going to happen because the Leafs you know they don't have I don't think they want to give up a first rounder and they don't have any second rounders for the foreseeable future so it's there's some complications with that but I mean the, the fact that the Leafs are you know I think looking not just for one but potentially two defensemen ahead of this deadline you know and then he's where he is on the trade board you know I think any of the the defensive names at the top make sense to connect to them you know but there's you know, what's interesting about Tanev, right? We talked about it a few weeks ago, but a team like Ottawa is interested in them, even where they're at in the standings. It's not just only the contenders, which I think is unusual, especially for a rental player. I mean, usually it, it literally is, you know, you, you basically look at the standings at the top, like, oh yeah, well, Boston wants a D, Dallas wants a D. I mean, those are teams I think can would be looking at Tanev as well. But, you know, it, it doesn't seem as though it, it's not like this massive bidding war. I think that there's a lot of teams keeping keeping tabs there. No one obviously stepped up and paid a first rounder, which could probably get the deal done yesterday. And so it may be a little bit of a staring contest at this point in time. Um, you know, but I'm curious in general, maybe not just as it pertains to Tanev, but you know, if Morgan Riley is, you know, suspended for what amounts to a couple weeks, um, you know, does that, does that maybe put a little more incentive for Brad for living to go and make a move? Because obviously it's something we know he's, he's going to do eventually, um, but maybe maybe why sit back and wait if if you know there's a, a big hole opened up in your blue line as well. I wonder if you're Craig Conroy and if you don't get that first round pick, you know we, we've seen like maybe a second round pick could be sufficient. But like, what if another team just says, "Hey, we have a young player that is maybe a little further down in the prospect rankings, but maybe that could be the equivalent of something that could work for Chris Tanev." Like, I wonder if that would be sufficient for. A return, or is Craig Conroy so stringent on getting a draft pick back for Chris Tanev? It's funny. It goes two ways. I mean, if you really like the prospect and you're comfortable with him, he, let's face it, he's he's closer to the NHL and playing for your team than than a first round pick. I mean, a late first round pick in this year's draft might not be ready for four or five years to to truly make an impact. Um, so, you know, I think that there's two ways to go with that. There's a lot of value in a first round pick. I think there's symbolic value. Obviously, it's something you can flip to another team in, in subsequent moves. 
Um, you know, so it, it goes both ways. I think typically teams like to get a first rounder back when they're, when they're trading a rental player, but you know, there's, there's some, ex- you know, last year Vegas traded one of their top prospects um, for the winger. I'm just trying to remember his name. Uh, Barbashev, they, they traded Zach Dean away who had been a first rounder for them rather than trading an actual first round pick. So you do see those kind of trades at times, but I think generally teams, I think like what a first rounder can be, it, it allows your own scouts to pick who you're drafting there. It, it, again, it can be an asset flip in future deals when maybe you're in an acquiring mode and let's face it. It sounds good. When, when you get a first round draft pick back for a player, everyone goes, Oh, what a trade. Yeah. You know, good, good return for Sean Monaghan, you know, Montreal got a first rounder for taking him. And even though like there's, there's no level of analysis we can commit to the trade beyond that because we don't know what they're going to do with that pick, how they're going to develop that player. I mean, by the time the players selected with those picks are even ready to be in the NHL, we'll forgot that Sean Monaghan was even tied to them unless Steve does a trade tree for us. So um, I just think it's, it's a nice way to win a trade in theory is when you're, when you're trading a player away and getting a first rounder back. I wonder how many first round picks Greg Conroy could come away with. Like you already have two. And then, I mean, you have Jacob Markstrom on your trade board list. Still remains to be seen if he ends up moving or if he decides to waive his NMC to make that happen. Does he get a first round pick? There's no, I think Noah Hannafin, I think of this. I mean, if he decides he's not going to stay in Calgary, I think he's the guy who gets that first round pick. At least if you're the Flames, you have to get one for him. Sure. You have three so- first round picks by the end of it. Yeah. And you don't have to take them all this year. Right. I mean, that's, that's the other part of this, you know, we've seen Tampa trading away future first round picks and in, in some of their deadline deals um, in, in deadlines gone by. And so, you know, you're right. Calgary looked at, this is a, this is a refresh season. This is a team. I mean, you're trading parts off this team that were there when they had what 110 points or whatever season. Um, you know, there's, these are good players. This is this is what we need, frankly, to make trade deadlines spicy. You need a team that was once great is still kind of good deciding to sell. But that's that that's what, you know, the, years ago the Rangers did it uh, when they did kind of a little reboot there and they were trading quality players at the deadline and thinking about trading even more. Like they looked at trading Chris Kreider at the time. Um, I think I think that's that's the that's the key is, is you need someone that's kind of blowing it up a little bit. And you know, I, I wonder a lot. I mean, we, we'll get to this, I guess, when we see the dust settle on March 9th and ahead. But I wonder what the Flames look like after all this, too, and, and where they go with some of the players they sign long term. You know, I, I get that they don't want to be a team in the draft lottery necessarily. Like They don't want to be finishing 32nd in the next few seasons. But, you know, it's going to be it's going to be tough. I mean, at least getting Kuzmenko back uh, in the deal that they, they made for Elias Lindholm. I mean, that's a, that's another player. That's that's an NHL player. You know, that's someone who's going to score goals for you and can fill a role. And so you're not, you're not just uh, turning your good players into magic beans. You're actually getting at least something back to, to keep the team competitive in the meantime. I mean, what have, have Calgary won four in a row? Yeah, they won four in a row. And if they beat the Rangers on Monday night, they'll win five in a row for the first time in maybe two years. Like they have not, I have not seen them win five in a row since I've covered the team. Right. So, I mean, that's, that's happening in the background. Oh, oh yeah. By the way, they're playing games every second night and they're winning them all. And not just against lowly teams. They beat the Bruins. They're about to come up on the Rangers. They beat the Devils, who are still alive, trying to make it to the playoffs. They beat the Islanders, who are on a new coach bump. Like, they didn't beat any minnows in this win streak. They're beating good teams. Did you have any interactions with Patrick Waugh when you were there? I didn't get a chance to. Uh, 
public transit long story with that i did not get a chance to interact with patrick unfortunately one of the regrets of my road trip so far okay otherwise this, i would have had a what i would this, have loved to provide I'll, a good interaction i'll just put that. this out there there's always time for a patrick Wah story in this podcast so if, if you ever if you ever do have an interaction with him please please share yes absolutely he's a funny guy uh the one other thing i'll just say about the flames and we'll move on to uh some of the other names on the board I think, uh, to your point about what the rest of this roster could look like, I have a lot of questions about that. I, I know earlier in the year, there was that report uh, from Darren Dreger about maybe Nazem Kadri might not want to stick through this rebuild, and he eventually talked to the media after that. There's a few guys in the room I look at, and I wonder, depending on the direction that this team goes, what does that say about what what do they do with their own futures what do they do with their own situations and how do they stick to what's being built do they decide to ask for trades and say get me off the ship and put me on a contending team because i mean at the end of the day like there are some guys on that team who were sold on the idea with the composition of players that they would be playing competitively and if they're retooling on the fly or if it's not going to be this super competitive team right away I mean, depending on the age and stage that you're at on that team, maybe you look elsewhere. Maybe you stay, maybe you don't. But I have questions about some of those guys in that locker room and whether or not they want to stay. That's just my gut feeling more than anything else. Of course, and the problem is they're not all playing up to their contracts, which is part of the reason maybe the team wasn't as competitive as they were hoping it would be. So, all right. you, know what I'm, you know what I'm saying. We don't have to go down that road, but like we don't have to go down that road at all. But I get it. Look at if you're Jonathan Huberto, if you're Nazem Kadri, maybe even Mackenzie Weger, you know, guys who are kind of newer in the door, who sign long term deals. You did it hoping you'd be part of a perennial playoff team. And if if ownership and management are going in another direction, you just wonder what that looks like. It doesn't have to be a long term deal either. Anyway, um, who are you spotlighting? You trying to trade Rasmus Anderson out of town? What are you doing there? Whoa, 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 sir. I'm not the one doing that. Don't put my name on that. I didn't say that at all. Okay. That's I didn't know. What, you said it doesn't have to be a long-term deal. I was just thinking who's on a short-term deal. I mean, it doesn't have to. I mean, I'm not saying any names. Anyway, okay. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko is a name that intrigues me because you have him at five on your list above Jake Gensel, a name that we've talked about a lot on this podcast in his future. Um, but Tarasenko probably just because he plays in Ottawa. They're not making the playoffs. He's more likely to get traded compared to whatever's going on in Pittsburgh. Maybe Gensel's a casualty. Maybe he's not. But Tarasenko does seem more like a sure thing. Uh, but that's a name we haven't really touched on a lot on the trade board. What say you about Vladimir Tarasenko? Yeah, and look at, again, not to get too much into how the sausage is made, but he's a little higher than Gensel in this case because it's an indication he's more likely to be traded at this point in time. Um, if we ever get word that, that Pittsburgh is shopping Gensel, like definitively Gensel probably goes to number one on the trade board, um, or certainly in the one or two spot. Uh, you know, at this point, Tarasenko is, is on a 28th place team and on a one-year deal, he's just changed agents for the fourth time in three years. So it's insane. Um, we don't, we don't get into that a lot, but yeah, he's, he's with Newport sports now. And, you know, I think that that's a sign, obviously, preparing for his next contract, uh, you know, which he'll be due this summer, but also probably to try to help get him to a better spot. And, and you know, he's he's kind of 
he's in that stage of his career where he was a blue forever. He gets traded to the Rangers last year at the deadline, you know, signs an Ottawa on a one-year deal. Like he's, he's in the move around stage of his career. And so I, I just think that, you know, he's still someone, he doesn't score at the rates he once did, but he, he does bring a certain amount of offense. Obviously he's a big man and can play along the wall, can play in the games where things get difficult. You know, he's part of that blue Stanley cup in 2019 there's a lot of, there's a lot of positives here is his contracts only 5 million. And, and, you know, you might be able to entice Ottawa to eat some of that or, or half of that if, if you've got a salary cap challenge. And so, you know, I, he's, he's someone I think isn't probably bringing back a first rounder at this stage. He did last year. So we'll see. Um, but I think his game has fallen off enough that, that it's, it's probably, you're probably not talking about a first rounder, but you know, he's, he's going to get Ottawa some kind of future asset, uh, here in the next few weeks. And, uh, you know, I think have a chance to go play on a team that's going to be in the playoffs. Uh, so is it fair to say that you have him at a CJ eight? CJ eight. Yeah. From the live show. <laughs> <laughs> Some people didn't hear our live show. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I guess you should probably explain the CJ meter where for, for those who remember the hockey buzz days where the, uh, the kind of you're kind of rating like the likelihood of a trade going down your E1s your E2s or E5s, which we're really sure we tried to. Well, Steve Dangle tried to make it CJ like with the one through eight because we added more layers of truth. <laughs> so that's where the eight comes in instead of five, because, you know, five is well, kind of basic. So Tarasenko gets an eight. Tarasenko, Tarasenko gets a eight. CJ eight. What about um, what about Sean Walker in Philadelphia? CJ, what was CJ? What? I mean, that's a CJ seven or eight. I think it's an eight. Um, you know, he's a player that that has been talked about for a while. You know, when they went out and made the Jamie Drysdale acquisition in January, I think that that really sealed the fate of of Sean Walker in the sense that I mean, he's he's a luxury for Philadelphia at this point. It, clearly this is a team that's retooling. I mean, they're, they're, they're listening to a lot of their players. I mean, there's multiple flyers on this trade board. You got Scott Lawton there. Who's a, you know, fourth line center for that team, but has a couple of years on his deal. He's not a pure rental in Walker's case. He is a rental Nick sealer, another defenseman blocks, a lot of shots, bigger body guy. You know, I, I expect all these players, not necessarily lot. Lawton is actually more of a jump ball because they don't, they don't have to, you know, there's not an action that has to happen there. There just aren't many centers available. And so I think you're you're probably smart in Philadelphia's situation to at least listen and see if there's something that makes sense for him. Um, but but Sean Walker, right shot defenseman, you know, I he's 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 basically seven or eight. I mean, it's it's all but a certainty as long as he stays healthy here that that you'll see him moved. Um, you know, I think some teams have some questions about his size. He's not as big as you know, some some GIMs prefer a taller defensive blue line for uh, for playoff hockey but um you know walker's had a really nice season since coming over from los angeles i think he's in a position to get a nice raise he's going to be you know don't don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here but when we're doing the free agent board i'm sure he's going to be pretty high on the free agent board um you know come july 1st and uh you know i do expect him to be moved here in the next few weeks anyone else on the trade board uh we should be keeping an eye out Tough to say that there's 44 names on there. So it's uh it's pretty beefy exercise to compile that thing. But, you know, I, I, I do, we haven't quite got this thing heated up yet, but you know, I'll be doing another one next week. And you know, I think, I think now we're at the stage where each passing day and week, 
it gets, you know, it's getting a little more real and decisions have to be made and teams have to truly make a call on their guys. And uh, I think it's going to be a fun few weeks for the trade board and hopefully for the trade action around the league. All right. Are you ready to take in questions that we made a call for last week and for reasons we weren't able to get to? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I hope they're is- not too outdated. No, they're not outdated. Well, at least the ones that we're going to be able to read are not outdated. Um, let's start with a fun one from Joey Halifaxwell. Uh, what are CJ's thoughts on the tortured poets department? What is that? I think that's supposed to be the new Taylor Swift album. Oh, right. That got announced last week. That did get announced last week. See, that's already dated. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Here's the thing. I'll say this. I don't have any thoughts about it because I don't know anything about it, but I'm excited. I'm excited for, for more music. That's it. <laughs> That's it. I mean, I, I, it's look at it. It's crazy. It feels like Taylor Swift puts out a new album every year somehow. So while yeah. touring the world and starring in your favorite NFL game every Sunday. So, I mean, it's uh, her, her level of output is wild. It's like Mike Russo-esque at The Athletic. Oh my god! I don't. I you never know. thought I'd ever hear a Michael Russo Taylor Swift reference in the year it's, of our Lord. It's real though. I mean, it's hard. That's insane. It's, it's hard to be creative. It's hard to have that many ideas and to be cranking out the content. But Mike does it, and so does Taylor. And we thank them both for their their efforts. Yes. Um, also, I'm more excited for the Beyonce album on March 29th. Anyway, uh, from fantastic. Nobody asked. Who cares? Uh, fantastic <laughs> on Discord. Who would you say the current player most feared for fighting in the... I think they were a little weird, but who's the most feared player in the league for fighting? Ooh, I'm going to need your help here. I'm thinking about it myself because... There's hmm. not a lot of fighting anymore. No, is there really truth. isn't. No. Like, Ryan Reeves is probably in that conversation. There was a time when last year people were wondering if we were going to see like a Milan Lucic, Ryan Reeves encounter because it seemed like they were those two, but Lucic isn't playing right now and Ryan Reeves hasn't really been fighting. Right. I still think Reeves is probably the answer. I guess. I mean, just like, I don't, I think he would be one of the most feared guys you would have to potentially drop the gloves with in the league. But let's face it, we don't have we don't have just fighters anymore. I mean, there's there's not very many players. That's all they do. Uh, and even in Reeves's case, and someone might laugh at this, the, the Leafs fourth line has actually been pretty good lately. Like he can he can actually play a shift in specific circumstances. Uh, I know it wasn't the case; he had a very tough start to the year. But um, yeah, I, I don't have a good answer to that. I mean, I think the question actually spotlights it like a bigger issue. And that's or trend, I guess, is a better way to put it. Yeah. And that that fighting is truly getting evolved pretty much right out of the game. Just doesn't have the same purpose as it used to have, which I don't necessarily see as a bad thing. But I think there are definitely players who would who would disagree with that. I, I think there are still a handful of them who want to see some form of it in the game as a way to kind of defend players. But just the way that's trending in junior leagues and just in regular NHL play, like it's it's in a really weird state you'll see a bit in the playoffs too i mean the the emotions of the playoffs usually bring out the odd fight that that you know in the very non-staged variety of fight like where it's just 
you know, again, the emotions, there's a big hit or something and, and you see players drop the gloves there. Here's one from Darren eight Oh nine. Fun question. We play shinny at work, work remote job. Everyone rocks different jerseys. What's the best, most underrated Jersey in the NHL that will get the boys going. I rock a dark Nordique Sundin Jersey, but that barely moved the needle. Hope to hear your thoughts. What? I would have. I don't know. I would have thought you... a Nordiques, you know, especially with Sundin on it, that that would be pretty good. I love those old school jerseys. Like you could, like I do. You remember the old red and green Devils jerseys? I mean, that's yes. just, this is even like from before you, probably your time on Earth. But like they they brought them back, I think, as a reverse retro. That's in the last few years. But yeah, I guess it's not thing. the exact same thing. But still, like the, I've that's a classic jersey. Maybe that's why some of these jerseys aren't hitting the same note though is because people have seen them recently with those reverse retros and everything like with all the extra, you know, cause I'm pretty sure Colorado brought back a version of the Nordiques Jersey for one of those. Um, cause I was going to say Hartford, but then I just saw Carolina play a game in Hartford jerseys the other night. They even had the Cooper alls in warmup. Yeah. Uh, Google that kids. If you're, if you're of a certain age, you probably don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Um, I love the old school ones though. Like if you could, like you could get a red and green devils with like Shanahan or something. He was like their second overall pick years ago. I'm trying to think from like the era, uh, you could get a, you could get a whalers with Shanahan yeah, you or could. Chris, Chris Pronger. Um, old school Ron Kings. Francis a whaler? Ron Francis was a whaler. Yeah. yeah. Yellow. You could get a yellow and purple Kings. But again, I think they brought those back. I'm just trying to think of like kind of the ugliest, gaudiest. I even like, I actually saw a guy at All-Star Weekend wearing like the 80s style uh, Campbell's Conference All-Star jersey. Yeah. And that actually looked pretty sick. Um, and then obviously if, if you're doing an All-Star jersey, you could put any number of former stars, Gretzky or whatever you want on there. Although I guess, was Gretzky in the Wales Conference? No, he Campbell's Conference. Um, anyway, those are some of my ideas. I don't know. What do you think, Julian? Do you have like, like one in mind? So like, I love the idea of wearing old school jerseys just as like i also think like if you could like thrift them and find like cheaper like older like coho jerseys you just kind of wear them as style you don't have to worry about like getting a 300 dollars jersey dirty you could just go out and play hockey street hockey ice hockey whatever and you don't have to worry about them like ripping or anything like that so i'm always down with older stuff like I, one jersey that comes to mind is the Pittsburgh, the old Pittsburgh jersey where the the words are diagonal, like the Snoop Dogg one, because like he's rocked that before. Um, like a really old school like Montreal Canadiens jersey from the '90s that like Ghostface Killers like rack like rocked in a. There's a particular Wu Tang video. I think it's it's Method Man and, and Raekwon were like Ghostface Killers wearing one. I would I would definitely rock that one. Um, what's another old one that I would really like? I mean, the Coyotes brought back the Kashina ones already, but like the OG ones from the nineties are really good. Um, I think too, if you could ever get like a funny name on the back, like a random player, like when I'm walking in a crowd, say going to a game and you see like, you know, not a star level player and it's an old Jersey. I'm like, why did that guy ever have a, whatever Bob Helkitis Jersey or whatever, like pick a random Bob Helkitis. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like a really random old player. Um, I heard a story from um, Sean McIndoo, Down Goes Brown. He, he said this on the Athletic Hockey Show a couple weeks ago where he had gotten a Leafs jersey for Christmas one year. 
and it was like a Craig Berube Leafs jersey. And within like a couple days of him getting that jersey, Craig Berube got traded. Uh, wow. It's just hilarious. Like, who would have like a Leafs Craig Berube jersey? I hope you didn't get a Dennis Schrader Raptors jersey. Oof. Oof. I mean, that's we're down the rabbit hole now. No, but that, but that, that's that man. Send us your jersey stories because I'm sure there's enough between people like investing and buying a jersey, and then within days or months, this player is gone. Like, there's definitely. I mean, that was always part of. I never had many jerseys as a kid, but like that would be part of your calculation, right? You're trying to pick a player you think is going to be on the team generally. Yeah. (laughs) I, I got a buddy. James Watt that I grew up with who had a Luke Shen jersey from like the first go round and he was able to fish it out of the back of the closet when the Leafs traded for Shen again last year. So, you know, some, sometimes what's old is new again. Absolutely. Uh, we'll go through one more from uh, Congo Red. Uh, how many hundred percenters does CJ think are out there? Ooh, I don't think it's that many. I'm okay like, with it. I'm, a, I'm okay with it being like a small exclusive club. I mean, Goldberg Papa for sure. Yeah, he's the president. Um, I met a few people at the live show that said they were 100 percenters. Yes. I name checked uh, my buddy Risto in Sweden, who I'm pretty sure is a 100 percenter. He always listens while walking his dog. Like, I'm guessing 20 or less. Is that, do you think that's fair? I'm actually mm. gauging this. There's a lot of podcasts I love that aren't even just hockey ones. And I don't think I've, ever listen to a hundred percent of the shows. I mean, are you a hundred percent on any podcast? I definitely am not. There's not one podcast 100%. in the world. I've listened to every, every episode of that show. There's one podcast. I mean, the only way that could be is if like, you're just getting into a podcast that just started. There's one podcast I'm, I'm getting into now called victory light that just, uh, this, this blogger turned like big name, like, podcaster slash like once upon a time a tv host um he's like 20 episodes into this podcast so i've listened to every single one that's like let the us closest know. i could think of truth is if you're 100 percenter, send us a note let us know on twitter or whatever and we might be able to get like we might be able to at least ballpark a number i think uh, i think it's longer i think it's bigger than 20 i think with this call out you're going to see like way more than 20 people show up right and we're not going to make you prove receipts we'll take you at your word I mean, if you have receipts to it's, show, I'm, it's we're not like some turn people like either. they're like, so you run every day, like every day, like, yes, every day. <laughs> it's like, I'm not going to tell it a big elaborate lie about that for years and years and years. No, I, I, that would be, that'd be such a letdown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I'm just like, sorry, I'm, I'm equating the two. Like if you tell us you're hundred percent or we believe you, you're hundred percent or yeah, exactly. Uh, that's going to do it for the question. I think 20 though, but I, I, I think more than 20. Dude, it's 200 and something episodes. It's a lot of our bullshit. <laughs> I mean, there's good episodes in there. Some great I know, but in there. you got you got to go through some fluff to get to the good, you know? Like, it's like anything. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's more than... T- I would say, if we're going through... Because at first I thought 100% is just like people just all the way dedicated. If we're going to get to a point where people who have listened to every single episode, I'm going to cap it at 40 people. There you go. I think it's double your your thinking. Okay, but it's probably more, and we're probably shortchanging ourselves. Well, I don't think it's a bad thing. I no. think that there's like thousands of people out there that listen to like eighty eight percent of the episodes, which is good enough. 
That's amazing. It's just, you know, like sometimes life gets busy or sometimes maybe you're not feeling our topic or whatever. Like I, I, I would get it. It's hard to listen to 100% of a show. That's all I'm saying. I, I got lots of pods I love. And sometimes I start listening to one. I'm like, eh, not feeling this today. And I just go to something else. Like that's people got a lot of choice out there, man. Do you know how many podcasts there are? There's like, like feels like we're getting into the millions of those. With the amount Plus of you got Spotify. Sometimes you can just listen to your own thoughts when you're out for a walk. You don't have to listen to us. So. What would really impress me, it's one thing to like start listening to a podcast and start going. Through. If you listen to every single minute of a podcast. Yeah. That's, I think I think my dad's done that. It might be one of one for that. That might be one of one. And if it's that one. I mean, producer Nick honor. by default is kind of that, too. Although I think he, you know, he, he joined us midstream, but. Yeah, he's but pretty... still, but still, I mean, you know, but in theory, he's on the clock. <laughs> That's a lot of miles logged yes. in by producer Nick. Uh, I know who we still the the listeners still don't know the voice of. I'm still waiting Nick. for him to jump in one day. Yeah, honestly, like he he threatened to jump in, depending on how we discussed this Riley topic earlier in the show. I think if he ever jumps in one day, I gotta finally reveal Jeff Carter's middle name. Those are like two things that can be connected. You know the, the, the same because <laughs> now I'm putting Jeff Carter. Now I'm shifting the pressure to Nick. It's like, the only reason we don't know is because Nick won't jump on here. Wow. Stand, stand up, Nick. Stand, <laughs> defend yourself. <laughs> All right. That's enough fun for today, people. Um, thank you for tuning in to CJ Show. We'll be back next on uh, Thursday with a brand new episode of our great show. Subscribe to the podcast, whether on Apple, Spotify, uh, the YouTube channel for SDPN as well. And uh, keep it locked for CJ for more great content on The Athletic. Uh, I don't think we're going to be in for a trade board 5.0 for a little while, but you can join 4.0. Oh, you only have to wait a week for 5.0? Dude, one a week now. I mean, it's we're getting into the real biz. Oh. We're getting into the real biz. Excellent. Excellent. For CJ, I'm Julian. Peace. The Chris Johnston Show. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK and McKenzie.